macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What are you drinking? What are you sipping on? Some cider. Oh, some apple, some hard cider. Yeah. I know that brand. I got it at Aldi. I've been digging these lately. Yes. I love those. This box, the one that has the, it's like the margarita box. Mm-hmm. So good. And I don't feel as guilty. I feel like I sh- I'm right? doing an advertisement for Truly. Right. This is their mango <laughs> chili out of their margarita box. 110 Heck calories. Yes. And only one yeah. gram of sugar. I don't feel guilty I if I have three. Right? <laughs> Just like my normal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel guilty if I have the whole box. I mean, they're only These 5%. They're very yeah. lightweight. Oh, yeah, definitely. I probably have to get through. I probably get gut rot before I get any buzz. I have a really <laughs> high tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> a stiff drink. A stiff drink. Stiff. I mean, if truly really wanted to sponsor us, I would be down for that. I would be down for that because I literally probably buy a case every week. <laughs> You're I like, share. Oh yeah, not just me, but I share. I usually drink yeah. most of them. But right, see, oh. if you get a box, they're technically shareable. Yes, you know, you, sometimes. You do so. Yeah, and even if you're technically not sharing them with another person, you're sharing them with your other problems. So you're technically <laughs> sharing. <laughs> yeah, I've probably been hitting these a little bit more lately than I normally would, but um, yeah. Listeners don't know this, but um, it's been three months since we've recorded an episode. Oh yeah, we miss you so much, like an <laughs> well, '80s love they, ballad. But but the thing is, they haven't. We haven't missed a beat at all. <laughs> We're still scheduled out until like September. So yeah, to our listeners, it's business as usual. But for yeah. us, I miss you, friend. I haven't seen you in a long. I miss long you time. too. <laughs> I wish you a lot. I miss this. Yes. Um. So I moved away from Oregon. I am back in the Midwest, and um, it is still swamp ass summer here. But um, <laughs> this will air in October on Friday the thirteenth. Actually, wait. Nope. I take nope. that back. The seventeenth. We're gonna air it after the exorcism episode with our friend. Bishop James Long, who was yes. an ordained priest, you will already have heard it at this point. But if you didn't, go back and listen to it. Yes, you have no and if excuses, agreed. And if you need something a little bit more lighthearted after you listen to that episode and this episode, <laughs> you should go back and listen to the "I is for Idioms" episode because I think that was the hardest i have ever laughed while we've been recording and i almost ruined my boomstick <laughs> almost spit that stuff right out oh, of my man. nose it's so funny because i was like i don't know how i feel about this episode but it really was a lot of fun it was, it was fun. so fun i love it we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it too so yeah listeners love it go listen heck yeah and i want to say a big thank you to our listeners we have been begging you we, because we've wanted to hear from you, and you're listening, and you're, <laughs> you're, you're doing, doing it. it, and we love it. <laughs> Keep it up. We want to hear more. Coming. Keep it coming. 
We so, need to, yeah, we uh, we need to start off with a lot of positivity and some good well wishes in the beginning of this because negative energy is not allowed. <laughs> and listeners, you need to say that too, out loud, right now. I don't care if you're on the fucking treadmill. I don't care if you're in the office in your cubicle punching those numbers. I'm proud of you, by the way, for whatever you're doing right now <laughs> listening to this podcast, but I just need you to shout that out. Negative energy is, is not, not allowed. allowed period not allowed we have to preface this episode with that statement because today we're covering the letter p mm-hmm. and p is for possession and honestly i'm recording this episode actually this was the first episode that i ever wrote for this yes. show period Mm -hmm. And I'll get into some stuff later on. I'll I'll do some explaining to you about some of the weird stuff that happened. But um, yeah, so this kind of sat on the back burner for a while. And once we kind of figured out the flow of the show, we're like, hmm, let's save this. And it just so happened that it lined up with October. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Which is creepy. I mean. With a capital C. We just have some <laughs> synchronicities. We're just going to go with it. So yeah, a lot of weird only, synchronicities. Not only are we recording three months, it, like it's been three months since we've recorded, but um, mm-hmm. I'm in a new apartment. I'm in the Midwest. I am yes. single and ready to mingle. And uh, just found out that the building that I'm in just happens to be an old coffin factory. So <laughs> the odds of this. I just think I just think you Blair need to buy yourself a old mortuary and just move in. (laughs) Oh man. Oh. Or you know an insane asylum, but I think a mortuary is more doable. (laughs) I mean there's probably plenty of houses in the Midwest that have been used as, you know, hospitals or mortuaries at one point. Absolutely. Well, and not to mention, there's a lot of effigy mounds around. So really, you never know when you're going to run into something that, uh, you know, that's for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, macabre newsflash. Hallie has a sexy ass apartment, you guys. And I do mean sexy. In the coffin factory. That coffin factory is sexy now. (laughs) It is. It's not spooky. Surprisingly, it's not spooky at all. It's actually very quiet. It's a lot like a cemetery. (laughs) Quiet like the dead. Quiet and peaceful and just, it's just beautiful. I love it. So, uh, life changes and sometimes things happen unexpectedly, but, um, I have been fortunate to have really good support and Blair has been one of those people that's been there for me uh (laughs) you know through all this not to get too sappy but um yeah so we're gonna start this episode on a high note and we're gonna talk about possession today (laughs) yeah are you ready for this as ready as i'm ever gonna be (laughs) yep 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 so listeners get your holy water Mm -hmm. light a candle Sprinkle some salt. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your butts because 
today. The letter P is for possession. And we are releasing this episode. Obviously, you're listening to it now. It's coming out right after the new Exorcist movie um, that was just released on the 13th. What better way to follow that up than with the actual case that inspired the original book and movie? So here we are. Mm. Not like we planned it or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> Deep breath, positive vibes. And if you listened to the last episode, um, or if you didn't listen to the last episode, definitely go back. And we actually interviewed an ordained exorcist, Bishop James mm-hmm. Long. He's been doing exorcisms for like 30 some years. He's been involved mm-hmm. in the paranormal. And it is a long episode. And I'm so grateful that he stayed on with us as long as he did. Yes. He just told us some crazy crazy stuff about his personal experiences talked about a couple of cases got into a lot of detail um Mm -hmm. talked about cursed objects we got to actually see some of them um john wayne gacy paintings john wayne gacy paintings yeah he has he has that in uh storage somewhere Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so today I wanted to follow that episode by telling you about the real life case that inspired The Exorcist. And this case is unique because it involved a series of exorcisms that took place over the course of several months. And they were very well documented. Um, so that's kind of how it separates from some of the other cases. There were at least 48 people who witnessed these exorcisms over the course of the incidents. Wow. And as we talked about in that episode with Bishop, a lot of people think that exorcisms are like a one and done type situation. Mm -hmm. But uh, we know that is not at all the case. No, not at all. What did he say? Some of them have taken him years. Yeah, years and it's multiple times a month. It's got to be so exhausting for those people and mm-hmm. the yeah, people it's... that are performing, but the families that are having to deal with this stuff. Yep. Um, just absolutely insane. Yeah. And I feel really bad for people that, uh, that go through that, that have, it's just, I am beyond words. <laughs> and I, there are a lot of, debates we could get into with that some people believe in it some people don't but that's that's why we we tried to ask deeper questions with the bishop just so we can really get a better understanding and you have to know that those who are possessed have to go through a series of psychiatrists and therapists before they're even recommended to a priest or a pastor of any kind. They really are very careful because most of the time, a large, large, large percentage of people are actually dealing with a mental illness. And those Mm -hmm. things do need to be addressed. And if you are ever feeling like something just is not right, if you're just not having a good time 
we definitely encourage you to go and see a therapist, get help. There is nothing wrong with that. And honestly, more people should be doing it. Yeah. I'll get off my macabre soapbox now, but <laughs> just just know that uh, there is there is nothing wrong with that. And we highly encourage you to do that if you feel the need. But going back to this, they are very, very, very strict when it comes to figuring out whether or not it's an exorcism, there needs to be an exorcism or not. They have to go through a ton of things and loopholes and to really even make this happen. So if you want to know more details, listen to that episode. Go listen to Bishop James Long. He is an excellent, excellent explainer. And he's a really good teacher and a good guy. So we highly recommend that. All right. Are we about to get into this heaviness? Are you ready for this? <sighs> yeah, I think I got enough positivity in me now. Buckle up. And you don't know anything about this case. Right? Um, no, barely. Okay. Barely. Okay. And I, I didn't look into it after you told me which one it was based on. Yeah, other than you're like, <laughs> stop looking into it. But yes. we'll get into that. We'll get yeah, into we'll... that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Well, listeners, the story I'm about to share, there are different accounts of how the events unfolded, depending on where you search for the information. And this is what I will call Ronald's case. I did my best to find the information that was most consistently reported because you know how that can go. Sometimes a lot of things get sensationalized and obviously mm -hmm. this is the story that inspired the exorcist. So you kind of have to like take that with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But as I said before, it was very well documented. So the information um, from that, you know, even if a very small portion of this story is true, it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And in kind of the mainstream media, this story is, they call it the story of Ronald Doe because they gave him, they gave him, you know, like a fake name just for privacy reasons. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll go back to 1949. In the United States, priests of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous teenage boy who has been documented under the pseudonyms Roland Doe, Robbie Manaheim, and he was reported as being 13 or 14 years old at the time, depending on the source. One researcher who studied this case later determined through ancestry records that the boy's real name was Ronald Edwin Hunkler, born to Edwin Hunkler and Odell Coppage. To avoid confusion, I will just call him Ronald. Easy. Mm -hmm. Let's just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ronald was born in 1935, and he grew up in a middle-class German-American family in Cottage City, Maryland. He spent a great deal of time with his paternal Aunt Tilly, which this is important, uh, who was deep into spiritualism. And she had taught Ronald how to use a Ouija board to communicate oh. with the spirit world which we talked about with the uh, bishop. <laughs> mm -hmm. We know that that takes us down a very dark path and uh, not a great start for this kid. And nope. listeners, if you know uh, from the previous episode that Blair did, O is for Ouija, the Ouija is not to be messed with. So yeah. don't, just don't do it. 
Get Don't that Ouija out of my face. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing good comes from Ouija. Sorry. No. I said no. it. No. Not at all. <laughs> I, know, oh. I know there are people who think that it can be used for good and mm-hmm. I mean I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, on the chance that it goes the other direction, I just would rather avoid that altogether. Keep that exactly. shit to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To each well, that- their own. <laughs> to each but, their own. uh, ooh, not in my house. I'm so sorry, but no, not after, not-, not after those stories and not after things that I have seen. Nope. Yep. But it does explain possibly what happened to Ronald. Uh, Almost Ronald- definitely. He was very close to his aunt, and when she passed away, sources say that Ronald might have dealt with his grief by using the Ouija board to try to communicate with her. Mm. And as you guessed it, uh, he started messing with the Ouija board, and weird things started to happen in the home after he started to try to communicate with his aunt Tilly. Not long after Ronald began using the Ouija board, some of the telltale signs of demonic infestation appeared. Scratch marks materialized on Ronald's body. He started having seizures. Ronald's family would ask questions when these events were happening, and they would get knocks in response to questions in series of threes, which Mm. we know is a mocking of the Holy Trinity, another Mm -hmm. very bad sign that something demonic was present in Ronald's home. Mm-hmm. Oof. Sidebar, I have had firsthand experience with that whole knocking in mm-hmm. the series threes in the house that I grew up in uh, here in Indiana. It happened in my teenage years. It happened often. It would go from one door to the other door. And I lived in the middle of nowhere. Like, long gravel driveway nobody around dogs in the house that would hear everything and they wouldn't even hear it until the knocks would happen and then they would lose their shit um so yeah i don't know what that was (sighs) but it happened for years it was terrifying there was never anyone outside to this day don't know don't want to know no yeah Oh, uh, nope. <laughs> and I'm curious, you know, we have a lot of listeners on the show. I- I'm curious if other people have had a similar experience. Yeah. Um, Let us know well, because. Uh, I think it's probably more common than one would think. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when in doubt, call a priest or a minister, just have them come in and bless the home. Um, yep. Which we talk about that too with the uh, bishop. Yeah. But uh, back to Ronald's story. So after all this started, uh, Ronald started hearing scratching sounds coming from inside his bedroom walls. And at one point, it was so bad that the family thought that there were like, you know, like rats or pests or something that were like inside the walls. And so they Mm -hmm. had a company come out and spray for vermin. Uh, but they didn't find anything. And then Hmm. water supposedly started dripping from the pipes and there was no reason for that to be happening. Like there wasn't anything wrong with the pipes. Um, 
no vermin, no faulty plumbing, just all this weird stuff was happening in the house that they couldn't explain. And then uh, one of the telltale signs is Ronald's bed started to shake and it would move on its own. Objects in the house were moving around without explanation. So pretty much, you know, like the beginning of a good old fashioned demonic possession, like all the signs were there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Time to leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> time to leave. De- definitely time. Not staying there anymore. Calling a priest. <laughs> but, you know, that is let's a be, no. <laughs> but let's be real. It would have probably just followed them if they had left. Um, yeah. But, yeah, at this point, you know, with the craziness that was happening, Ronald's mother was, like, trying to rationalize why this activity might have started. and. Pretty quickly, she attributed that to Ronald using the Ouija board and was like, oh, shit, maybe we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> as you mentioned earlier, the first step was they they put Ronald through a series of psychological tests and medical tests to try to figure out if this was something that was an issue with his mental health, if there was something going on with his physical health. Mm-hmm. But the tests, they didn't reveal anything abnormal. And so desperate for help, you know, this family is like trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And the doctors are like, oh, he's fine. You know, he's healthy. Like we can't find anything wrong with him. But yet this stuff is continuing to happen. And the only thing they needed to do was... Uh, to go to their Protestant minister, uh, whose name was Reverend Luther Schultz. And even he was like, oh, I don't know. This is a little bit too much for me. I don't know what to do with this. So he Mm -hmm. suggested that the family go to a local Catholic priest. So that's a process in itself. Mm -hmm. And this, this reverend, what he ended up doing was he wrote to Duke University's parapsychology lab about what was happening with Ronald and was very like detailed about, you know, the things that were happening. Chairs were moving. One of the chairs, like he was thrown out of it. His bed shook whenever he was in it. The reverend also said that the family's stories, um, they were telling them about their tables overturning in the house. Their floors were, quote, scarred from sliding of heavy furniture. And in one, a picture of Christ on the wall shook anytime Ronald was nearby. Oh, my so gosh. What was it? Bishop said something about, um, what's the term that he used? Like, religious objects? Mm-hmm. Like how those would be affected. Mm -hmm. This was happening there. Don't need any more proof than that. (laughs) No. Yeah. Oh. So Schultz is like, I think maybe you should talk to a priest. Specifically Father E. Albert Hughes. And uh, Ronald's parents were like, yeah, I think maybe we should do that. And uh, Father Hughes had to get permission. You can't just go in and perform an exorcism without going to the church and, you know, Mm -hmm. presenting the case. And so that's what he did. Uh, It was in late 
1949, February of 1949, that the church actually granted the request. And so this is where we actually begin with the exorcisms, the actual exorcisms. Oof. And so it began. It's reported that Father Hughes strapped the boy to the mattress and began his recitations, but he had to stop the rite when Ronald broke off a piece of the mattress spring and slashed the priest across the arm, abruptly ending the exorcism. Oh. So day one, Ronald's like, oh, I'm going to stab you with this bed spring. Oh. Uh, and then after that happened, Father Hughes was like, nope, I'm out. It was literally too much for him. And he just gave the family some holy water and some candles and was like, good luck with that. And he was out. He was like, nope, not today, Satan. So that was the end. He had one incident. He was out. And he didn't even refer them to someone else, maybe, that could have helped. He just was like, bye. Well, I'll get into that. Oh. But he was oh, like, oh, man. he's like, fuck, no, I'm out. <laughs> this kid's trying to kill me. And he just didn't have the, you know, he just he just couldn't go through it. And, and we, when we talked to Bishop Long, he, there were times where he wanted to give up, but he just, yeah. he just kept going. This guy was like, nope. Um, a few days after the failed attempt, red scratches appeared on Ronald. One of the scratches on Ronald's ribcage formed the words Lewis, which, for whatever reason, Ronald's mother saw that as a sign that the family needed to go to St. Louis, where he had relatives. And hmm. she thought that this was the only way to save him. Now, I don't know how she came up with that. <laughs> Whatever uh, yeah. reasoning was, but um, she was like, "Let's pack our bags and we're going." Which turns out, maybe she wasn't wrong because of how this all plays out. So once they got to St. Louis, a cousin of the family attended the St. Louis University. She put Ronald's family in contact with Father Walter. H. Halloran and Reverend William Bowdern through her professor, who was a bishop. And okay. he also participated in the exorcism. And he's the person that actually kept the day to day records of the events. So turns out maybe she wasn't wrong because this, you know, how everything transpires. But, mm -hmm. um, and like I mentioned before, father was so good at like documenting this case which i would be curious to see if you could actually see the documentation i didn't dig that yeah. deep because i got freaked out <laughs> i don't blame you and if there's any videos now yeah, that we know of, what bishop has yeah. said don't watch mm -hmm. the videos yeah uh, Father Halloran was a Jesuit scholastic studying history at the St. Louis University at the time. He also happened to be a driver for William Bowdern, the pastor. In, uh, he was the pastor at the St. Francis Xavier College Church. And one night, Bowdern asked Halloran to drive him to another Jesuit home to have dinner in a northwest St. Louis suburb. Halloran had no idea what he was getting into, 
Little did he know that they were actually heading to Ronald's family home. What according, a surprise. Oh ac- my gosh. According to uh-huh. one source, Halloran thought he'd just be waiting outside. But when they pulled up to the house, Bowdern turned to him and said calmly, I'll be doing an exorcism. I want you to hold the boy down in case it's needed. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, you're just my like gosh. driving your buddy to someone's house for dinner. And then all of a sudden you're like expected to hold down a 13 year old boy. So your friend can perform an exorcism. Uh, I would have been <laughs> you like, you know, I never signed up for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so. Bowder oh. got approval to perform the exorcism under Archbishop Joseph Ritter, according to the Roman ritual. Several oh. priests, Alexian brothers, and family members all participated in or witnessed the rite, which always began in the evening. The witnesses observed that Ronald acted normal during the day, but when he would put on his um, pajamas to go to bed, He would start screaming and yelling and he would go into this weird trance. And in the morning, he had no recollection of what had happened the night before, which is also a classic sign of possession. Mm -hmm. And they did these exorcisms almost nightly. And the boy just got worse. Uh, At one point, Ronald was even admitted to the Alexian hospital, but was quickly released and returned to the family residence in St. Louis. The priest asked Ronald's family for permission to teach him about Catholicism and try to convert him in order to strengthen and be able to fight off the demonic possession. Mm -hmm. As he got closer to the conversion and making his first Holy Communion, guess what? Things got worse. And they got more violent. Um, During the exorcisms, Ronald was exhibiting violent and strange behaviors, like seizures. He would have violent tantrums. He would have scratches that would just randomly appear on his skin, and it would look like branding. So, you know, imagine that, like, Mm. welting of the skin. Mm -hmm. He spit at the priest and family members. Um, He cursed at them, he yelled, he laughed, he made strange noises that were described as inhuman and almost animal-like, guttural sounds, whining, whimpering, all kind of like mixed in together, which is also interesting considering the last episode. Uh Uh-huh. He said a lot of dirty things (laughs) that a child that age shouldn't know or say yeah and uh he was speaking in latin and uh often peed on himself in the floor and he would sing songs that he didn't know including old man river blue danube and old rugged cross so he was speaking in latin and singing a bunch of shit that he didn't even know wow what is it like as a parent? <laughs> I cannot imagine. How do you come out after that? 
I don't know. Uh, it would just be so hard to like see your child suffering, but then also be afraid of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you would feel helpless, then, but terrified, like for right. your own safety. Exactly. You know? And especially if they're going to ask like, what's going on? What do I do? And you don't have any answers. And what do you, I mean, you don't want to lie to them. And what do you say? Uh, yeah, negative energy oh. is not allowed here. Yeah, negative energy is not allowed. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> no time for you. Get out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really surprised, though, that he would be singing Old Rugged Cross. Right. You know? Because normally a mm -hmm. demonic would not. But it's like a mocking. I can mm -hmm. see it in that being done in that particular tone. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to mess with you and I'm going to sing your songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, During one of the attempts, he supposedly got free from, got one arm free from one of the restraints. Mm -hmm. And he struck... Halloran, the priest, in the face and broke his <gasps> nose. Oh my gosh. And this kid is small, you know? Like, he's like yeah. a small 13-year-old kid. Uh, and he broke this guy's nose. And uh, at one point during one of the week-long rituals, mm -hmm. the other guy, Bowdern, reportedly saw an X appear in scratches on Ronald's chest, which he believed that it signified the uh, Roman numeral 10, leading uh, the priest to believe that he was possessed by 10 different demons. Hmm. And then another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and went all the way down his leg towards his ankle. And this happened every night for more than a month. Jeez. So, also, like, I can't imagine how exhausting and, like, you know, wrecks them physically and they're not yeah. sleeping and they're not eating. And just, I mean, we know the situation with Annalise Michelle. Yeah. Most people probably know the story of Emily Rose, um, mm -hmm. but how that turned out. Not yep. good. Mm -mm. And that, so this, I mean. Yeah. What was she like? 90. I think she was less than 90 pounds. So I think she was like in her seventies. Yeah, somewhere in there. And I think her normal, I mean, she was already a very small girl small. to begin mm -hmm. with, but I think they said healthy. She was probably around 140 pounds. So she didn't have a lot to work with to begin with. And then, you know, she stopped eating and, you know, she would come out of these fits where she'd have like a couple minutes where she'd just gorge on food. And then it was almost like something would stop her and she would just, she would, if, if at that time was up that she was given to eat by whatever was going on, she would, she would literally spit the food back up if there was anything left in her mouth after a certain amount of time. But she would eat like bugs. Yeah. She would lick spiders. up her own pee on the floor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And we all know how that ended. Yeah. Uh, 
Exactly. This actually has a better ending, so that's kind of why I wanted to do this story versus that one. Good. Um, yeah. Oof, yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, this is the part of the story where I actually stopped because uh, this is where my weird stuff happened when I was doing the research and writing the episode. Mm-hmm. It was at this point where we were going or where I was going through the exorcism, the description, um, and I told Blair that I have this desk light that requires a remote. So it's on the cord, you know, it has one of those buttons where you have to like push it, like it'll yeah. flip, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but like you push it and it flips it on or off. Otherwise it's a remote. Mm-hmm. And uh, light was not on. Light came on by itself. Ugh. I wasn't anywhere near the remote. And you have to manually push the button on the cord if you want to turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And normally I keep that light. It has two different tones. Like one is a warm tone. The other is a cooler tone. Mm-hmm. And I always keep it on the cool tone because I'm pale. <laughs> and uh, it came on the yellow, like the orangey warm. So there were two weird things that happened kind of like simultaneously. And I was like, oh, hmm. that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I messaged Blair and I was like, oh, I'm freaky now. And then I unplugged the light. I took a little five minute break. <laughs> said like a little prayer. I like burned some Palo Santo. I just did like a few things to kind of reset. Uh, and then Blair like had her own incident after that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it that night or the night after that I had that that? night? It was that night. Okay. Because you messaged me. I couldn't remember. Oh, yeah. Like early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Early in the morning. That was the first thing I did when I woke up was I, I texted you. So I had this reoccurring dream. Because I had it more than once that night. Same thing. (laughs) Now, it is creepy. Hallie literally only texted me about this. Like, one message. She's like, hey, I'm doing some research on an episode. And it was two. Because the first one was, hey, I'm doing research on this episode. I'm getting a little freaked out. And then the second one was... I'm going to take a break from this. I had something really (laughs) weird happen. And I'm like, what? And then you didn't even tell me what happened. You're just like, I'm, you're like, I'm going to leave this alone. I'm just going to walk away. Yep. And I'm like, okay. Well, that night I had a dream where just so listeners know, we have a shared file system where we keep our notes for our episodes and in my dream i was looking at the the files on the system and on the side i was seeing all of the activity that we have had with writing notes and i kept seeing that hallie had created a document and then it was deleted and then it was created again and then it was deleted and then it would say that 
you were working in it for a certain amount of time and then it would like just erase or whatever, right? And I just decided that, well, maybe I should I should look at it, you know, see what she has in here and, you know, what's going on. When I opened the file, it was this picture. And it was just that picture over and over and over. And it was multiple pages. And the picture was, you couldn't even really make it out. But it was this weird ass mass of something. Something, someone. It was hard to tell. And I kept having that dream and I kept getting this sickly feeling and the activity, you know, that we would normally have for, you know, oh, uh, Hallie was in here doing this, Blair was in here doing this or whatever. It kept going back and forth of deleting, re-adding, deleting, re-adding on the side of it. Like it was just like a mind of its own. And then like the cursor on the file was moving by itself and stuff. And I, then I would wake up and then I had that dream again and the feeling that I had just kept growing and growing. And when I woke up, finally, just, I was done with it. I'm like, something is telling me that we should not be touching this right now. And (laughs) I was like, (laughs) maybe, maybe it wasn't as ominous as you thought it was. Maybe it was just like, because we need to wait until October. Who knows? Who knows? Either way. Yeah. Or, you know, the 17th after the exorcist comes out. Yeah. Either way. Either way. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. But it was, it was so creepy and I was so freaked out that I texted Hallie just right away in the morning and I was like, hey, uh, I think, uh, we need to put a hold on it. And we, she literally saw it like a minute after I sent it and then she called me. (laughs) I was like, we, we got to talk about this. Yeah. So So here we are. Yeah. Months and months and months and months and months and months later. Later. But yeah, it's it's all good. Yeah. Well, especially after the, the episode with the bishop, I, yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Negative energy better get that out of here. <laughs> it is right. not allowed. Well, should we get back to the story and talk about how this all wraps up? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we're at the point now where we are at the final exorcism. And during this event, it took five people to hold Ronald down. And let's just keep in mind that Ronald is a prepubescent, scrawny little kid who should not be difficult to restrain. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about possession, you know that superhuman strength is like one of the signs. Mm -hmm. Like just it is. And uh, on it was on April 18th. The day after Easter Sunday, the exorcism of Ronald Doe appeared to have succeeded. An entry from the Bishop's Diary read, Since Monday at 11 p.m., there have been no indications of the presence of the devil. And 
As I mentioned earlier, this story was the real-life inspiration for Walter Blatty's novel, which was later adapted into the 1971 film The Exorcist, which also has, like, some crazy, weird stuff attached to it. Oh, which yeah. I didn't, I didn't get into, but um, the remake obviously just came out in theaters mm-hmm. just a few days ago. Yeah. Um, the original author had heard about the demonic possession of a 13-year-old boy around 1949 while he was a senior at Georgetown University. Eugene Gallagher, one of his professors and a priest at the Jesuit College, told the author, uh, who was a New York native at the time, about this story of the boy who was believed to be in the throes of demonic possession. But he had been saved through a series of exorcisms, and Blatty found the original record published in the Washington Post in 1949. And, of course, he was like, I gotta dig into this. I gotta look at the records. I mm-hmm. need to find the recordings from the bishop. And yeah. he located that information, and he wrote the book, and then that was later adapted into the movie that we all know as the classic exorcist movie. And Ronald's identity was kept a secret for obvious reasons. He was a minor. Um, mm-hmm. it, his true identity actually wasn't even revealed until 2021, about a year after his death. So he wow. had to die before the truth of his identity actually came out. And this story wow. does have a happy ending. This is going to blow your mind. It turns out that Ronald accomplished great things in his life. He went to college. He got two degrees. He worked as an engineer for NASA for 40 years. What? And while he worked as an engineer at NASA, he worked on the Apollo program. Oh, my gosh. So he had, like, this amazing life. He was accomplished, you know, had this great career. Um, the circumstances surrounding his death are kind of interesting, which I did add that into this. He lived a pretty full life, you know, had a great career. He -hmm. was 86 when he died. And his companion at the time told the National Post that he was not religious. And he had later admitted to her that he was never actually demented. He lived in constant fear of people finding out about his true identity. So this is something that really concerned him his whole life. He just didn't want people to know about um, that incident. And he said that he wasn't possessed. He said that it was all made up and that he was just a bad boy. But something weird, something weird happened before his death in 2020 that his companion could not explain. This is where this story gets really weird. Hmm. A Catholic priest arrived at Ronald's door just before his death to perform last rites. It's so strange because no one called for a priest to come to the house. The priest showed up. The priest showed up unannounced. His companion is quoted as saying, I have no idea how the father knew to come, but he got Ron to heaven. And that, listeners, is the creepy real-life exorcism of Ronald Hungler. 
Oh my gosh, that gave me chills. <laughs> so, right before he died, a priest just showed up at the house, unannounced. Well, I mean, at least it was for good. <laughs> but that is really weird. That is really weird. Did he ever make a comment? Like, did he ever put two and two together then that the Exorcist movie was about him? Probably. Did he ever say anything about that? I don't know. Uh, his life was so... Everything was kept such a secret. Like I said, no one even knew that that story was about him until after he died. I didn't know he died in 2020. That was not that long ago. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, because I had originally heard this story on Two Girls, One Ghost in their mm -hmm. first season. They talked about this case. So this extra tidbit, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. Like, that is crazy. That oh. it's just like something you would see in a movie. That this priest shows up on his door right before he dies and no one called for him. Yeah. He just showed up. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I mean... The guy said that he wasn't possessed, that he was just a bad kid, but I, I don't know. Like, how do you explain the super strength and mm -hmm. the other stuff that was happening in the home and and the scratches know. and yeah, yeah, and and maybe I, that was something he said just because he didn't want to have that attached to his name. You know what right. I mean? Because he was just right. trying to be a normal dude, trying to live a normal life, right? And maybe he was in denial or maybe he just kind of blocked that stuff out because it was so traumatic. I mean, he was yeah. pretty young. You'd rather it be the fact that you were just being a kid being naughty yeah. than like the alternative. So, yeah, it's just a way for you to like rationalize, try to make sense. Of exactly. Wow. I wonder how many cases of possession are happening simultaneously mm -hmm. like how many active cases do you think there are currently yeah oh well and according to bishop like there's different levels right possession yeah. full-on possession is like the most extreme but mm -hmm. there's different the levels yeah like the infestation and the attachment and yep um so it's like some people walk around with a certain level of that happening all mm -hmm. the time yeah which is crazy and scary to think about it really is keep your it vibes really high people yeah positive vibes even if you're having a bad day think of a few things that you're grateful for you've probably heard this before and it probably you're like i'm rolling my eyes so hard that i can see my brain but you should. <laughs> if anything, if you're not religious, there is no judgment here. We love you anyway for whatever you believe in. We accept it and we're happy that you're listening. But positivity in all things that you do. Please just think of a few positive things a day. Whether you're religious or not, it's a good habit because you know what? Not gonna lie. Uh, life is fucked up right now. <laughs> Like, yeah. this is really fucked up right now. So having a, a a good laugh here and there is a must. And well, that 
and a good support system. And yes. Like, if you're struggling in any way, just go get help. Just yes. go talk to somebody, talk to a professional. Yes. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to slip into a dark place. And like, as Bishop said, that's when things will try to take advantage. Yes, absolutely. when you're feeling down. Um, you don't want to give whatever it is that kind of power. So mm-hmm. think of it as simple as a bully. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let a bully walk all over you. You don't want to. You don't want to have a bully of yours see you in a down spot. You want to have them see you thriving. So, freaking stick it to them. <laughs> Put yes. that fucking smile on your face, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Go get your degree and go yeah. work for NASA. Go get your fucking degree. I am proud of you. <laughs> you on the treadmill. I'm proud of you. You sitting in your cubicle. I'm fucking proud of you too. And I'm sorry you probably have a headache and you're probably getting a migraine so bad from that blue light. But I'm proud of you. You I'm sitting proud on your couch you. watching Netflix. I'm proud of you too. I'm proud of you too. If you're fucking cooking, gosh, I wish I could smell that. I bet it's tasty. I'm proud of you sure. too. If you're managing three kids and trying to figure out your life, I'm proud really of proud you. of you. Yeah. It's hard. You're cleaning up dog shit right now? Hey, I'm proud of you, too. I am <laughs> proud of all of you. You I'm fucking rock. Yeah. Don't you ever forget that. <laughs> ever. I'm getting all sappy right now, but seriously, listeners, sometimes you know how it is, and you get a shitty day, and I just want you to know, fucking proud of you. And you, yeah, it's hard. Should, Life is it hard. is hard. And even if you're like, but I don't, I don't do anything special. I'm sorry, but getting through a normal fucking day nowadays is a challenge. It's a fucking <laughs> challenge. So I'm proud of you. And I love you. We both do. And we're so happy that you are hanging with us. Yeah. You I fucking think rock. We hope to bring some. I don't know, just a moment of, I don't know if joy is the right word, but just like, <laughs> with a podcast called maybe, the cop. <laughs> just, you know, just um, a little fun and yeah, I don't know, like we're, we have a dark sense of humor, but bring a little bit of knowledge to you and some humor with it. Sometimes you just got to have a little fun with the darkness. Yeah, exactly. Not let it, it take over. Just exactly. make it your bitch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Blair, what do we have next? Let's see. I have to do the alphabet oh. in my head. Q. Oh, it's me. It's you again. Oh my god. Tell it's going to be so much fun. Oh my god, I'm it's so excited. Be so much fun. So Q is for quackery. We are mm-hmm. going to talk about the worst ways to cure everything because it didn't actually cure anything. And we're going to go from the medieval times, you know, kind of the medieval times through the Victorian era. We're going to touch on, yeah, just the worst ways to treat stuff that. (laughs) Are we going to bring up the bum tube again? No, but we're going to talk about butt plugs. Oh, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're gonna, gonna talk, talk about, about butt stuff, butt stuff. <laughs> so stick around hold on to your butts <laughs> literally and maybe keep them a little closed because who knows what's gonna happen 
<laughs> but uh, it's going to be a fun episode. So we're going to add I'm a excited. after this dark episode for sure. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. And uh, as always, if you have not, please leave us a stellar review and a yes. five-star rating. Tell a Help friend. Get out there. Share with a friend. Get weird. We Share shouldn't be weirdos. a dirty little secret. We should be just everywhere. <laughs> just tell everyone. <laughs> tell everyone. <laughs> we know you're weird. We know you're freaks. Heck like yeah. us. Speaking of, I'm finally, I'm slowly but surely getting there. And I apologize. I am apologizing all the way down the road. But I'm slow to this. I finally have an Instagram account. So. Oh. Uh -huh. I don't use mine at all. <laughs> I'm like, just on TikTok. I yes, sort of you fell can. Off the, I sort of fell off the wagon on that too, just because of the move. Yes, it's, it's been, okay. I'm not going to lie, but I'll get back to it. I'm, I'm motivated. Happens. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm in my new space. It's going to be Heck good. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, friends, keep it spooky, and yes. uh, we'll see you next time. Have fun. Be safe. Happy spooky season. <laughs> Bye. We love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>